welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 2, Episode 21, DOA MacGyver. The original air date for this episode was April 27th, 1987. It was directed by Cliff Bowl, and it was written by Jason Starks who has four credits between 1976 and this, his last IMDb credit. And he may or may not be the same guy whose website says this. For more than 20 years, Jason Starks has been the willing conduit for a wise group of interdimensional beings called the Nine. (laughs) What? (laughs) He gives speeches on behalf of interdimensional beings that are like the key to the universe. Wow. Might be the same guy. He spells Jason J-A-I-S-O-N. And Starks, S T A R K E S. So it seems like Very a pretty spelling. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the same guy who is a conduit for interdimensional beings. I, I'd like to know more about the nine. <laughs> well, I'm sure you can pay him a lot of money to find out about it on his website. Um, in the meantime, uh, why don't we uh, discuss this episode in brief? All right. Uh, in this episode, MacGyver, uh, while going to. Uh, get some information on a potential attack, uh, get shot in the head, nicked in the head, shot barely in the head, um, and loses his memory and is kind of just on the run. And he doesn't know on the run from who or what he needs to do. Right. Uh, And it marks the return of uh, Nana Visitor. Mm -hmm. He's playing a different character this time. Yeah, Nana Visitor playing a different character, but still always always a delight. Yeah. Um, we start off the episode, like you said, uh, moving into this warehouse on the docks. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is another like bizarre coincidence of the MacGyver universe. So in the first season, yeah, he's losing Charlie's. Mm-hmm. He's just burning through Charlie's. Yeah. And what happens is he has a Charlie character who is an old friend who's reunited with. Yeah. They face a new challenge together. Um, they work as partners until... The challenge overcomes the Charlie, mm-hmm. kills the Charlie, and then he forms a bond with a second character to avenge Charlie's death, Right. essentially. That happens in two episodes from the first season, Trumbo's World and Countdown. This season, <laughs> it's the Tonys that are getting destroyed. So we have the first episode, Three for the Road. He has a friend named Tony who bailed him out in Afghanistan mm-hmm. a year ago, he says. Coincidentally, a year ago, there was an episode in Afghanistan called To Be a Man. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that he owes Tony a life debt. big time, yeah. his life debt, because this guy saved his life. So he goes to get some information from him, but alas, Tony is shot yeah. upon their meeting. This episode, <laughs> he goes to meet with his friend Tony, um, who he thinks owes him, he, he owes a favor to because Tony saved his life in Morocco. Coincidentally, about a year ago on MacGyver... He He was was in in Morocco, Morocco, escaping from a prison, which Tony apparently saved him from a prison. Um, And as soon as he meets up with Tony, Tony gets shot and killed. (laughs) And uh, that's insane that that happens more than once. (laughs) Two different Tonys, both who he owed a debt to, and both before he could even repay his debt. Right. They they are eliminated. And both of them saved his life exactly one year earlier at a place where an episode was actually shooting in that location. Mm -hmm. Yeah. but yeah, and Tony here is played by uh, Clive Revel, who I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced, or Revel. 
but I think it's Revel, Clive, Clive Revel, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, played, he's, he's had a number of parts over the years. Oh, yeah, a lot of parts. Um, he was the fire marshal in Men in Tights. And <laughs> uh, I most notably was super excited to see his as the voice credit in the original cut of Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back as the Emperor. Right, he he did just the voice, mm-hmm. uh, which if you're wondering who played the actual character, it was a woman in makeup, uh, and the reason that uh, it turns out that the woman who was wearing the makeup was Elaine Baker, um, and if you hear the name Baker and you hear makeup in the mm-hmm. same sentence, you shouldn't be surprised that Elaine Baker is Rick Baker's wife, who is probably one of the most famous uh, him and Rob yeah. Botton are like the two biggest like makeup names exactly. in film history. So uh, Rick made his wife look like an evil emperor man, and then uh, and then Clive Revel was was hired to do the voice for the film. Yeah. Um, but Clive Revel is probably best known as um, he played the part of Cletus, who was the founder of Cletus Fest in Gentleman Broncos, mm. <laughs> which is uh, everyone's favorite movie. Gentleman Broncos, of course, the the third and last Jared Hess movie. I don't remember yeah. him doing anything since then. I, I don't think, I can't think of anything. Um, it's funny because I like all of his movies, but I don't rewatch them. No, I don't either. Um, but we have another character in this episode, um, Lancer, who's played by John Plachette. Yeah. Who played Merv in Gentleman Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he was uh, Chevalier's agent mm. in that movie. Um, but yeah, so uh, MacGyver goes to meet this guy in this warehouse, and he he actually has enough time to tell him that, pretty much everything that he needs to know. Yeah, but and then it just gets wiped out immediately. But the so the villains uh, have stolen technology to make explosives into a textile. Yeah, like yeah, well yeah, Anthony uh, Anthony Tony Braddock yeah. that, uh, that MacGyver's going to see is a is a professional bomb maker and chemist, former British intelligence. And, uh, always drinking, yeah, just always, like, just like the one-armed British guy. Yeah, he is pretty much in a, in a constant state of inebriation. Yeah, which is why he doesn't get a lot of favors from people. Yeah, and um, he he has told MacGyver that he has invented a new kind of explosive that's very stable, and so you can actually like mold it, flatten it, crush it, do all kinds of things with it, including weaving it into thread and then sewing it into cloth. Yeah, you can make a shirt that's an explosive. Mm-hmm. Uh, he calls it his crowning uh, achievement. And so while he's telling all this to MacGyver, uh, an RV pulls up. Now, this is like a crazy kind of like super high-tech RV. Yeah, it's, it's almost like the, the urban assault vehicle from, yeah. from Stripes. There's Not all, exactly, but... There's like computer equipment, servers, radios, and, uh, and there's a, uh, an electronic door... That you have to be buzzed. You have to push in. a button for the the door to open on the side of the car. Yeah. yeah, and and inside this car, I have dubbed them the super progressive interracial gender equality assassination team. Right. <laughs> so we have John Plachette playing Lancer, who's like the head of the team, and then we have uh, Kim Miori is playing Tara, who's driving. Who's mm-hmm. uh, I think that sounds like a Japanese name to me, Miori. Yeah, and she's uh, and she's the driver slash technician, like she's like the computer expert. Right, and then we have uh, Rockney Tarkington, which is the coolest name ever, playing Jules. Mm-hmm. And Jules is uh, like, the, like muscle. the muscle. It yeah. seems like yeah, like and he's but he's also like the tracker. He, like for you Firefly fans, I would call him the Jane of the group. Okay. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, you need to watch Firefly. <laughs> I've not seen frame one of that. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, Kim Miori uh, will come back for a second appearance, ironically, in the episode Second Chance, uh, <laughs> season five, episode five. Um, but yeah, so they send uh, Rockney Tarkington into the uh, into the warehouse to try and find MacGyver or mm-hmm. Tony, whichever one yeah. of them he can find. Um, he opens the door. Actually, they're not even looking for MacGyver. They're just looking for Tony. Yeah, But yeah, he yeah. says, oh, he's in there talking to somebody right now. And then he goes back to the car, and, and yeah. then they burst in with their guns. Yeah, well, but my favorite scene is like when he comes back to tell him that he's with somebody. You know, Lancer and uh, Jules are going to get ready to go out together to, to take him out. And they get to the door, and they start opening it, and you see Tara, like really quickly hitting the door buzzer button like yeah like, like she forgot that she had to be pushing the button for the door to open mm-hmm. and like she they almost got away with walking off the set of the rv yeah. without pushing the button <laughs> and it's like someone's like offset going push the button push the button <laughs> so she kind of panics panic stricken reaches for a button on the yeah. console um i thought it, it's just so unnecessary to have the door buzzer on the car yeah um but they stick with it through the whole episode so they have to how does consistent. the last person leave the car <laughs> <laughs> if you if you can't reach the button from the door, then yeah. you just have to stay in the car forever. She, she never leaves the whole episode. That's she true. Never, she stays she's never the, outside of the vehicle. She's still in the car as the credits roll. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, um, yeah. So then, uh, so they have this sort of face off in this warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately, Tony takes bullets for MacGyver, yeah. trying to save him. Uh, but uh, important to mention that, that the important piece of information, other than the bomb is that Tony tells MacGyver that the bomb is going to go off at a funeral at the West right. Side Cemetery at a funeral at the West Side Cemetery at 4 o'clock right. uh, tomorrow. Right. And at the, at, the, at the time of this, this is occurring. Yeah. Uh, and that's when he gets shot. Yeah, they, they burst in with guns, and Tony takes a hailstorm of bullets on MacGyver's <laughs> behalf, even though MacGyver owed him one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he drops dead. MacGyver runs off through the warehouse, and they decide they, they have to track him down and kill him. Mm-hmm. They've deduced that he doesn't have a gun from the fact that he didn't shoot back. Yeah. Even though maybe he was just surprised or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't have time to stand there and draw your gun while someone's shooting at you. You take cover first. And then somehow MacGyver develops the plan of, I know what I'll do. I'll trick them into thinking I have a gun. Yeah. So they have even more reason to shoot at me. It's such a bizarre plan because he, he takes, like, these two planks and just yeah. slaps them on the ground. Yeah. And he's like, and then they're like, oh, he does have a gun and he's that way. Let's go. Yeah. It doesn't slow him down. It, it alerts them to where he is. It, I guess the only thing I could say is, is that... Is it he thought it would intimidate them into leaving him alone? No, except maybe it would make them more cautious about rounding corners and like make him maybe, maybe. take it a little bit slower yeah. to buy him some time. But, but either way, it doesn't, doesn't seem to work the way he wanted it to. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then he grabs uh, a couple of... Uh, Bottles this, of chemicals yeah, here. Yeah, he, he has... It, he calls it muriatic acid, which is, I guess, just another name for hydrochloric acid yeah, that I, guess, I hadn't I guess, heard. Yeah, well, because hydrochloric is like the chemical, like you know, it's it's hydrogen and chlorine. Right. Um. Right. So like, yeah, it like it's just like it's like calling water like mono, di, you know, mono yeah, dihydrogen monoxide. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, he mixes it with ammonia, and like so when he does this, it makes like a lot of like this white smoke. Right. And so I was like. Instantly, and I know you did the same thing. It was like, yeah, is Googled this real? Yeah. Is this a real thing? And I'll be darned, it is a real thing. Yeah, and it looks pretty much exactly like it did in this yeah, episode. Exactly. So I'm sure they actually used those same chemicals. I, I was I was very surprised that they were 
that they officially let them do this. Like, because it's a real chemical reaction. I thought it was going to be, like, subdued in some kind yeah, of way. Yeah, because you don't want kids playing with hydrochloric acid. Like, and that's, ammonia. That's, yeah. I mean, like... Those are both pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of crazy. But um, I guess what ha- what's happening is when they're... Because they're, it's an acid and a base, so they're neutralizing each other and forming salt. And um, that hydrogen... Uh, sorry, hydrochloric acid and ammonia are actually gases, naturally. Right. Um, but you put them, you, they're very water soluble and that's how you're able to contain them and put but them. But then in. when they mix, they become a salt gas. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh God, that seems, that seems really just as Terrible. bad as the acid. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but I, if you ever spill like hydrochloric acid on your food, just spill some ammonia on your food and then it'll just be a little salty. A little saltier. Um, it's <laughs> or like, you'll die. I don't, I don't condone actually putting those things on yeah, food. It's kind of, it's kind of like, uh, the scene in Fight Club was the lie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on is like you can you like was it vinegar? Or you can neutralize the base for the vinegar. <laughs> you can pour water on it and make it much worse. Um, so but MacGyver just starts dumping, and he has, he has the foresight of like wrapping his face, you know, to protect him from right. Yeah, because he doesn't want to inhale this salt gas. Yeah, um, but he's just dumping tons of it. And all the videos I saw of it, basically, people were just dumping it. Like, yeah, I saw a couple of videos where people were literally just dumping it onto the ground. Yeah, um, which seemed to me like it's very dangerous from all the splashing yeah, that yeah, might yeah. be happening. But um. I know I'm getting into the chemistry, and you could probably edit this out, but I thought it was cool that they showed a video of just two beakers that had it, and they just put the beakers next to each other. And even that was enough to make a fog. Yeah, because the the, the vapors, yeah. yeah, the vapors coming out of the the water from the hydrochloric and the ammonia huh. were collecting in the air and combining in the air to make the smoke. Oh, that's awesome. And so I was like, ah, well, so cool. maybe we'll put that episode up in the show notes then. Yeah. Or uh, that that uh, YouTube clip. Yeah, yeah. The chem- chemistry is is amazing. Um, but he doesn't have time to finish his fog laying down because they're already firing through the smoke. Exactly. And, uh, he gets shot and takes a bullet to the side of the head. Now it's right. like a graze. It like hits him in the forehead, but it, yeah, mm-hmm. it either bounced off or it just grazed him. Yeah. But it was enough to impact his skull and knock out his, his, at least his short term, long term memories. Yeah. And uh, he goes through a window and out into the water. Yeah. Over the edge of oh the man, it's a tumble too down into that water. Um, uh, but he has the—he's not unconscious when he hits the water. He's completely right. He's completely conscious and even aware of his surroundings enough to realize that he's in water and he needs to swim away. Yeah, I, and I don't even think that his short-term memory is completely defunct yet. I think that that doesn't happen until he passes out. Yeah, because you know when you have a concussion, it takes it, a while to do the damage. Your brain swells afterward. Mm-hmm. But um, but so he he's swimming away from them because he doesn't want to get shot again. Obviously, yeah. Right as um, Damien is floating by. <laughs> um, Damien is the name of a ship here. Um, it's the trawler Damien, mm-hmm. Yankee Bravo Delta forty seven ninety two, <laughs> and he grabs a tire that's on the side of the the boat to use as like a step stool to get up onto the mm-hmm. ship, um, and. I think from from here, basically the two bad guys decide he's too far away to continue shooting at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, plus it would I mean obviously if even if you in the warehouse the gunshots probably contained, but people probably still heard that. Yeah. Now if he's firing out into a crowded harbor full of boats, someone's gonna hear it. Yeah, that's true. Um, but co- coincidentally, Nana visitor is having trouble with her radio system. Mm-hmm. Like even now, she's having trouble with it. Yeah, yeah. We we have we have not yet seen. MacGyver and her interact. He passes out on the deck first. Right. And she's trying to make a call from her boat to... I don't know if he passes out completely. He collapses, but I don't yeah. think he's unconscious yet. Uh, she's trying to make a call to 
to her home port. Like, I guess right. just trying to make a, like, they'll connect her over a phone line over the radio. Yeah. Uh, but she can't, you know, she her radio just starts slowly going out. And, uh, and suddenly MacGyver stumbles in, mm-hmm. bleeding from the head. And she freaks out, but then he he then he literally passes out. Yeah, yeah. And just collapses on the ground. He's unconscious. And uh, and uh, during that, also uh, we kind of get a, we go back to the foundation. Right. And we get to see uh, we are introduced to a new character, Helen, uh, Pete's secretary. Right. Who I think will come back, um, or at she, least in different forms. She's very um. Uh, She's very, like, with it. Like, I really like her character because she's, like, she's not afraid to confront Pete. Yeah. And, and she also, like, yeah, she's able skills. to come at it from, like, a very logical perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, so, she, and she's and she's good with information. Yeah. Um, and so she's telling Pete, uh, Pete's, like, it's now nighttime and Pete's concerned that MacGyver hasn't checked in. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of cool because Pete's using, like, this golf club as a cane and kind of, like, walking around with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I like that. And, uh that, uh, you know, just, we're just, everyone's going to have to wait. Helen's telling him, you're just going to have to wait because the police aren't going to do anything yet. He hasn't been missing for 24 hours, mm-hmm. so it's not a missing person account. Yeah. And it's like, also, why is the Phoenix Foundation resorting to calling the police? Like, we're the Phoenix Foundation. We have agents on the payroll. Yeah, like, exactly. If you want them investigated, send someone. And they, I mean, and Pete knew where MacGyver was meeting Tony, right? Yeah. So he ends up going there himself. Yeah, later. Um... But uh, Lancer and his crew are, you know, they got the name of the boat, and they're trying to identify. The, the scenes jump around a lot, so if, yeah. we're, if we're jumping around a lot, it's because that's what this show does, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's like, if you you can't see my notes, obviously, people who are listening, but I, it's all one sentences, and then, like, I, yeah, then I do a the next scene. Yeah, yeah they the have, like, scene, three different scene. stories running concordantly. Uh, Lancer and his crew are trying to get the information on the boat. Uh, the Damien, but it's too late to hack into the Department of Fishing Games computers. Right, because this was back when databases were shut down at the end of the day uh-huh. and disconnected from the phone line so that you couldn't access the computer database. So, and it's also Sunday. It was like a Sunday night. Right. So it's like, you know, this isn't Luckily happening Luckily now tonight. computers are left plugged in over the weekend. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, the next morning, that's when MacGyver awakes on uh, Carol. Uh, well, we haven't we haven't gotten her name yet, but yeah, uh, none of visitors uh, playing a character named Carol Varney. Right. And uh, and so he wakes up in her bed, and she she still has like her pipe like handy, you know, yeah, in case just, he's violent. Yeah. <laughs> but she's a she in his unconscious state. She's dressed the wound on his head mm-hmm. and um, prepared coffee for him to drink in case he was yeah still groggy when he woke up. Which I don't know like, why she didn't assume he had like a. a deadly concussion didn't race yeah. him to a hospital the second he passed yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, well, she did try to raise the Coast Guard, but again, her, her radio uh, inexplicably doesn't work. But also, her boat still has the ability to turn inland. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason for her to stay at sea unless there's, like, some terrible storm between her and the coast, but that yeah, was never yeah. made clear. Uh, and, yeah, they're pulling into to Bristol Harbor, uh, which I, I don't think is a real place. I don't I didn't. I didn't look it up. Um, I could do that I right didn't now. Mean to bring it up. Why don't you go ahead and talk about things while I look up Bristol Harbor? Uh, they pull into to the harbor, and you know MacGyver's coming out of it, and she starts trying to ask him questions, and uh, she introduces herself. That's when we learn her name of Carol Varney, but MacGyver can't remember his name. Right, and the Bristol is uh, in the Finger Lakes, so it's not 
it's not because it's supposed to be Los Angeles still mm. in Southern California. This, but um, Bristol would would have been in New York in, State. Yeah, New York. Okay. Bristol Harbor. Um, but yeah, so she she basically she introduces herself a couple times because MacGyver's not. It seems like he's not getting the hint that she's saying her yeah. name because she wants to be she wants to hear his name, and then he admits, "I have no idea who I am. I can't yeah. remember." And then we go to commercial because mm-hmm. that's dramatic that MacGyver forgets yeah. who he is. Dun, 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 dun. Like, you know, the pull in and everything. Yeah. I love that. I love the 80s. <laughs> um, and then I think from there we move on to she just says, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go get you breakfast and mm-hmm. we're going to try and figure out what's going on. She's going to take him to Phil's diner and uh, they don't have to pay because Phil lets her put everything on a tab. Yeah. Um, as they're leaving the boat, uh, MacGyver sees a guy welding. Right. And he has a flashback of uh, the last the fir- stand. The first clip, yeah. Yeah. Um, like in the, in the episode Last Stand when he made the uh, thermite torch. Right, and, and he's cutting up on the, the back of the van. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he also has a, 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 a scene from the Target MacGyver opening gambit of blowing up the refinery. Right, yeah, the, the nuclear facility there. Oh, yeah, the yeah, nuclear facility there, facility, yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, so, so far we've... Yeah, we just cut to those two clips from, mm-hmm. again, only clips from season one. Yeah. Carol uh, wants to take him to a doctor, but he seems very resistant to the idea. And I feel I feel like you, you had pointed out that the radio not working was, like, a bad plot device. Um, and I feel like this is also a bad plot device. Like, I don't want to go to a place where people... They're going to ask me questions, and I won't be able to answer them either. It's like, they might be able to fix your subdermal hematoma. Yeah, exactly. It's like... Even if, you know, even if you turn out to be someone who's like a criminal, at least you won't be dying, <laughs> bleeding yeah. into your brain. I think the, the convenience of her radio just not working randomly could have been solved by having, when the bad guys are trying to shoot at MacGyver after he left, maybe they accidentally hit the antenna on the boat or something like that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there was just no explanation. Yeah. It just, just doesn't work. Um, back at the warehouse, the police are now like in the area... Uh, pulling out the body, and uh, Lancer pretends to be a reporter, Benson right. from the Times. And then he goes to talk to the lieutenant that's mm-hmm. that's on the scene. And the lieutenant here is actually Buck Young, who played the the pilot in Final Approach, who died of a heart attack in the cockpit. Oh, really? And it's the same actor, yeah. Um, he, he handles the scene okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did all right. Um, uh, you know, Pete Pete is just obviously Pete's afraid and worried about MacGyver. But they're also, like, being very cold about, like, it's like, oh, we found this jacket. Is that blood? Oh, we're going to have it analyzed. It's yeah. like, well, is MacGyver here? Well, we found this ID. We're going to start dragging the harbor. It's, yeah. It's just, like, all of Pete's worst fears. Yeah. He's like, why is the coroner van here? Um, but Pete's also, like, leaping to a lot of conclusions here. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, they found Tony's body. And uh, this is when Benson approaches Pete now. And starts like, and even knows enough about Pete to know that he used to work for DXS, and uh, starts asking him questions about MacGyver, what information MacGyver was doing here, uh, to get as much as he can. Yeah. And Pete also now is giving out giving out a lot of information, even if it doesn't seem like he is. Yeah. He's giving out enough. He should have just said more no more than you should give to a reporter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if you you're frustrated with that particular reporter. Yeah. Uh, and so. Uh, Back, you know, Lancer takes us back to uh, Jules and Tara and lets them know that they found, and Tara says that they found the owner of the boat, Carol Varney, 
and Lancer tells Jules to go up ahead of them, like, because the RV will probably take too long to get there. Like, Jules can get up there now in a quicker and a smaller car. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe, maybe Lancer had some other business, too, like, to get the bomb ready, but yeah. um, he tells Jules to go up alone. He had to go get his military costume for the funeral. Yeah. Uh, we're back at Bristol Harbor. Right. Where uh, uh, Carol Varney's nephew is kind of riding up on his broken bike. Yeah, right before that she's telling MacGyver, oh, maybe you worked with boats or something because oh, you seem really good with yeah. boats. And he hears some people starting up a boat. I think we move from there to a flashback from um, season 121, Prisoner of Conscience, with mm-hmm. the, the boat chase that happens at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we move to um, we move to the kid shows up on his bike, mm-hmm. and the chain is broken. He's walking the bicycle. Right. And so uh, MacGyver kind of like says, "Oh, you know, hey, if you don't mind like sacrificing this license plate on the back of your bike, I can uh, you know maybe fix this for you." And MacGyver kind of goes into this long talk about his own childhood and his bike. So clearly, he's remembering. Some things. Yeah, because he, he says, like, oh, well, you know, my, my chain used to fall off all the time only when I had somewhere important to go. Mm-hmm. So he actually has some kind of memories of his childhood. Yeah. But they're vague enough that, I mean, he's lost a particular still. Yeah. Um, then we cut again to uh, Lancer and Tara driving up the coast in the RV, and they talk. And this is, like, like, they're talking about MacGyver, and Tara gives, like, this most incredible insight about what's going on. She's all, either he's... Either he's alive and we kill him, or he's already dead. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, we know. Like, that, that's... I know the binaries of human <laughs> mortality. It's like, you maybe just concentrate on driving the RV. Yeah. Um, this is why you're not allowed to leave. Yeah. Um, but this is also where uh, Lancer reveals where the bomb location is that is on the RV sewn into the lining of a coat. Right. And uh, that uh, all he needs to do is connect like these little electric electric timer to it and and it's ready to go yeah and then we're back at bristol harbor where uh mac and carol are sitting by the water and just kind of like talking and we find out that carol's brother and father were killed in a hurricane or a storm off the coast yeah like on that boat while they were all together yeah it's like which reminded me immediately of um his girlfriend's parents who died in a plane crash before uh, Flame's End started. Yeah. But then also reminded me that <laughs> Flame's End, the girl that gets killed in the car exploding, gets mm-hmm. buried in Carol Barnet's front yard in this episode. <laughs> um, we're, we're not at her house yet. Yeah, when yeah, we get yeah. to her house later, you'll recognize it as the house where they buried a woman in the front yard. <laughs> that old cemetery in the there. First season. You moved the cemetery, but you left the bodies, didn't you? The son of a bitch, you left the bodies and you all moved the headstones! Yeah, so Carol's like talking about how she's kind of trapped by her memories of her father and brother, and doesn't doesn't really want to be there, but she doesn't want to leave, and that she wants to go into marine research. Yeah. And uh, MacGyver then very conveniently spots a, a bumper sticker that says "I love Phoenix." Right. <laughs> and that's when he starts putting together like the Phoenix Foundation. Phoenix, Phoenix. She's and, a uh, from Arizona. Yeah, the, the mythology of the bird rising out of the ashes. It's like. Yeah, I know all the things that... Suddenly he just swings his arms and they catch on fire and he <laughs> flies up into the sky. I know all the things that a phoenix could mean. <laughs> um, but he remembers the phone number, a special phone number to call Pete Direct. Right. And so he's able to... Which would have come in handy in the episode Nightmares when he couldn't get through because mm-hmm. he didn't dial the number right. 
Yeah. Um, back at the foundation, uh, Helen is bringing in some information on Lancer to Pete. And uh, she said she got it from Sam Taylor, who who wasn't willing to give the information up at first to Pete. And Pete right. was, like, furious. It's like, he's turning bureaucrat on me. He's not giving me information. Get him on the phone. But this is where I love Helen. Uh, she says, well, don't worry. I already reminded him about how you covered for him in Marseille. And I reminded him that I still had the pictures. He's like, you kept the photographs? She's like, no, but he doesn't know that. I kind of well, I kind of hope that it was photographs of Pete and Sam together. Yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> you kept those They're just lady on the tramping on a string of spaghetti. <laughs> that's, that's what you do in Marseille. In Marseille, do as the puppies do. That's what they say. Yeah, that's, I, think that's, I think that's on the, the seal, official seal yes. of Marseille. Um. And so, yeah, so uh, Sam Taylor, apparently, uh, with the blackmail of those photographs, was willing to give up all the information that Lancer is a professional assassin and that he's going to kill someone very soon. They don't know who. It might even be MacGyver. Yeah. And uh, that's when the phone rings and Pete answers it. And there's MacGyver on the phone. Yep. And uh, But MacGyver doesn't know who's answering it. And before Pete can tell him... And Pete doesn't know who's calling. Yeah. I mean, he recognizes the voice immediately. Um... But uh, before MacGyver can even say anything, that's when Jules arrives and uh, pulls a gun on him and Carol. Yeah. And says that they have to come with me. Uh, well, I don't, he doesn't say You they. specifically. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have to come with Richard. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm having problems with my articles right now. <laughs> we should specify for the audience. I shot Richard in the head earlier today. so You did? I don't remember any of this. <laughs> I was I was trying to remember a scene that I thought it was from MacGyver, but now I'm really realizing it's from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh. <laughs> because Jules is walking a good distance behind them, and Val Kilmer in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang says, you know, it was when they were being held at gunpoint and walking away, he's telling Robert Downey Jr., he's like, hey, you know that uh, you can tell the difference between a professional and a casual assassin? Because they always keep a good distance behind you. He's like, and Robert Downey's like, oh, yeah, yeah, what's that? Because, you know, you never know when someone could turn around and grab the gun. And Val Kilmer grabs the gun of his assailant. Yeah. Um, but Jules is keeping a good distance behind them. It's like, and I remember, yeah. Like, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. But, but MacGyver turns the whole plan on its head because he kicks the kickstand out from under a boat that's needlessly standing on end. <laughs> Why is it standing up? It seems so dangerous. I mean, you're, you're making room on the dock, but that's really not safe. Yeah. And so he kicks this piece of wood out from underneath the boat that's standing up, and then it just falls forward and basically just, crashes down on top of Jules and knocks him to the ground and holds him there. Mm-hmm. Which is not the first time that he's dropped a boat on someone. I think he did that in uh, Birthday. He basically yeah, trapped yeah, yeah. some guys on a boat also. Um, so, you know, they they basically run, run off, and uh, in the, the next scene after the commercial... Uh, Mako is actually concerned that that guy may have been a cop, because he up until now all his all his flashes of memories have been of violence and and explosions and gunshots, and he still he thinks he might be a criminal of some yeah. kind, and but Carol is telling him no, like if he was a cop he would have said something and he wouldn't have pulled pulled a gun on both of them. Yeah, on two uh, innocent people. Uh, and so they decide to head to Carol's place, thinking that they're going to be safe, and yeah, this is where we're this talking. This is where about. we see the lighthouse esque home mm-hmm. of Carol Varney. Uh, with no graves. Resting place of, of Bonnie so-and-so, <laughs> who was uh, MacGyver's uh, ex-girlfriend's roommate. roommate 
who uh, who was killed in a car explosion, and, and who we assume was not exhumed. Right, she's still she's still there for some reason. She never got a funeral or anything. Well, she did, but it wasn't hers. Right, she got she got her friend's funeral. I'm trying to remember her yeah. friend's name now. I blanking on it. Uh, back at the RV, Jules tries to uh, defend it, what he did because like Lancer and Terror both kind of mad at him for letting MacGyver get away. Right. Um, but Jules says, hey, you know, I did what I did. And then Jules threatens to walk out, uh, if, if they don't pay him up. Right. And also that he has information on both of them, uh, that he can blackmail them with if he try, if they try anything. Yeah. So they kind of like have like a, a small amount of peace made between them. And Lancer says to have Jules go and go and kill MacGyver and Carol Varney. Right. At her place. But Tara's confused by this, because after, so after Jules leaves, she says, why did you tell him to kill him? I thought you wanted MacGyver alive. He's like, I did, but I also know that Pete Thornton is now an issue in this, and uh, we also see that Lancer is setting up another plan that we're going to see in action here in a minute. Yeah. So Pete has now traced the call to Bristol Harbor, and, uh, and just while he leaves to go to head up there, the phone rings again, but Pete's not there to hear it. Right. Um, and this is, this is the first time we see like, kind of like the interior of Carol Varney's house. And, uh, cause Pete almost instantly arrives at Bristol Harbor. Right. Yeah. And he noticed. Because it's the same time of day and the kid's still sitting there with his bicycle. Uh-huh. And, uh, so Pete's looking for the phone and he sees the kid and the kid's pretty smart. It's like, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers yeah. you know, when Pete's trying to co- talk to him. Um, and Pete notices. Look, this guy that's missing is a good friend of mine. Yeah. And then he's, then, then he notices the bicycle. Mm-hmm. But he sees the license plate bent around the, the chain. bike chain, and mm-hmm. he says, I bet he did that. Did he fix your bicycle? And then he's like, how did you know? And he said, I, I recognize his handiwork when mm-hmm. I see it or something like yeah. that. He could fix anything. Uh, so uh, back at Carol's house, this is where Max sees uh, a picture on the mantle of a fish. Oh, yeah, there's a guy holding a fish. And then suddenly he's flashing back to a shot of a fish getting pulled out of water, mm-hmm. which could be a clip from two different episodes. <laughs> yeah. uh, two episodes that I think aired back to back, right? Mm-hmm. Or it was it was um, Target MacGyver, right? And then the following episode, Nightmares, that right. used the same shot of the fish in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're led to believe that this is actually a clip from Target MacGyver because it follows it up with the shot of him and Harry and in the diving boat diving out of the boat. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then we get a scene from Pirates where... Uh, he jumps into the boat, mm-hmm. um, and then the guys shoot at it to try and sink it while he's yeah, in Yeah, so that's our first clip from season two, then. Right. And then we get another one immediately of the ship exploding from uh, uh, Family, Family Matters. Matters. Yeah. Family, so, Family Matter. Family Matter. Singular. No, it's not, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a hit TV show, so no, original the, Bill it's like That episode was called Family Matters. They shoot the boat, it explodes, and then they turn to the camera and go, Then I do that. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, and I, the last clip there is just him falling out of the window from earlier in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So stuff starts coming back to him. Yeah. And he remembers that there's going to be an attack at the, at the West Side Cemetery. And, uh, when he tries to... And he to, tells her as much. Yeah. And when he tries the Phoenix Foundation number again, again, why not call the front desk of the Phoenix Foundation? Obviously, you know, you know you have a private line, but... I would call anyone at the foundation at this point. Well, does he know that number though for anyone? Well, like it Carol, seemed like the only number he knew was the the. But Carol, shot. Karen Arve, Carol, Carol Varney even tells him to call information. Right. Yeah. It, 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 they're going to have a number. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure people will know at the front desk 
who MacGyver is. Yeah. And like, and if you say, hey, this is MacGyver, put me through to Pete Thornton, they're going to put him through to Helen. Yeah, you just got to call up Blue at the front desk. Yeah, If exactly. he doesn't have the flu again. Um, so, <laughs> God, I, I really hope they remember to get that guard out of that elevator. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried about him. Uh, you don't know where I'd been, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, when MacGyver tries to make another phone call, uh, the phone line's been cut. It's right. not working. And that's when Jules shows up again. Uh, MacGyver throws the phone at him, which gives Carol enough time to run out of the house. Um, but before Jules can shoot MacGyver, Jules gets shot. Right. And, uh, you know, we have that classic silencer. And, uh, and Lan- Jules just falls forward into the room and mm-hmm. Lancer steps up behind him. Yeah, Lancer steps up like all like, like kind of like Randall's into the room practically. He's yeah, yeah, all, yeah. He's all super stoked that he just <laughs> killed a guy. <laughs> Randall's into the room. That's great. Uh, he's, he's wearing sunglasses and everything. He's like, looks like I got here just in time. And, uh, he introduces himself as MacGyver's good friend and boss, uh, Dawkins. Right. And uh, and so MacGyver, seeing that he just saved his life, is is more convinced to trust who this guy is rather than disbelieve him. Right. Uh, so uh, you know, uh, Lancer as Dawkins is saying, you know, I sent you on a mission. What do you have? What do you, what's the information? And MacGyver tells him all about the funeral. All stuff Lancer already knows, but Lancer's just kind of playing into it. Right. And he says, okay, well, we got to get we gotta get going. We know who the killer is. It's the guy named Peter Thornton. Yeah, he's a he's a crazy assassin. Yeah. Uh, and so now we go, like, MacGyver's like, oh, my gosh, i got to stop this Peter Thornton guy. Right. And so now we're back in the RV after the break. But they leave Carol Varney at the house. Yeah, Carol Varney runs off. We don't know where she yeah. goes. Lancer doesn't even seem concerned with her at this point. Which is weird, because she knows everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're back in the RV. Tara's driving, and Lancer and MacGyver are sitting in the back. This is Now, I don't get this scene. Maybe maybe, maybe you notice this, or uh, I can sure. explain it. Lancer, as Dawkins, is pretending to call into base. Right, and we see that the cord's not plugged in. The cord's in, not plugged in. But that's... That it's not visible from MacGyver's side of the van. Exactly. They, they show the shot so that we know that he's not actually on the radio. But what does it matter? It doesn't matter at all. Like the radio could be switched off. Yeah, it could be switched to a transmission that nobody's picking up. Yeah, it it made no or sense. Or he could be saying nonsense to people who wouldn't have any idea what he was talking it, about. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like the insert shot was something that MacGyver was seeing. Yeah. But he because doesn't. they show him looking at something and then yeah. they cut to the shot. And you think, oh, God, this is where MacGyver's going to realize that he's not actually talking yeah, to anybody. Yeah, and he's going to have to try and figure out how to get out of this van. But then, and then, but then after that, he plugs it back in. Yeah. Like, what is the purpose of this? Just in case we were confused and we thought that he actually was MacGyver's boss. They want to <laughs> yes. point out, just, so you, just as a reminder, this guy's not actually Dawkins. He's he, a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Don't you remember the driver? Um, uh... Yeah, so I, I didn't understand what was going yeah, on with that. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, uh, Lancer gives uh, MacGyver a, f- a photograph of Pete. Right. And uh, it looked like a shot that he must have taken when he was pretending to be the reporter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that somehow in, in that in that two hours he got that photo developed. Yeah. Uh, Do they have one-hour photos in the 80s? I guess they No, they have. had two-hour photos, so he took okay. it to a two-hour photo. <laughs> um, and... Uh, so now MacGyver has an idea of who he's supposed to attack, and Pete has now arrived at Carol Varney's place, right? And gets a, a little bit of information from her about where they're heading, 
uh, and maybe why. And yeah. so Pete goes She's off. like, look, all I know is that they said there's going to be an assassination attempt at the Westside Cemetery at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're and like, that's all you know? That's all? That's it? Can you tell us what plot? It's a big cemetery. Um, <laughs> so Pete, Pete tear, takes off out of there back. We're assuming back to Los Angeles because it, show, it keeps showing the same stretch of highway where they're driving. Um, and uh, Pete calls in for uh, that he needs police backup. And you think the police would have gotten there before him. Yeah. Because why wouldn't they? Because they're yeah. there. Yeah, they're police. They should be in town. Mm, uh, so And it's a, yeah, it's a military funeral. There should already be a bunch of like security. military personnel and security yeah. there anyway. Uh, so MacGyver and Lancer arrive and... Uh, they walk up to the, the ceremony just kind of casually, and uh, Lancer had given MacGyver a gun. And, In case Pete shows up. Mm-hmm. And the, so Lancer tells MacGyver that, I'm going to go check the perimeter, and he leaves the coat right. hanging on a chair. So now the bomb is in play, and Lancer's making his way off as Pete arrives, and MacGyver sees that Pete, you know, here's Pete Thornton running towards the funeral. You think, oh man, i got to stop this guy. He's coming right now. Yeah. And... Uh, so MacGyver just like approaches him and, and like Lancer had put this story in MacGyver's head that Pete Thorne and MacGyver are like arch enemies. Right. So as soon as Pete sees MacGyver, he's like, MacGyver, like my, like my arch enemy MacGyver, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're here. Of course I would know your name. Newman. Yeah. And so MacGyver pulls the gun on him, man. And, and it's, it's so weird to see the third time to see, or third or fourth time now MacGyver brandishing a gun. Yeah. Um, and uh, Pete and has, Pete even points out like that gun feels wrong in your hand. Like he knows that MacGyver has lost his memory. Yeah, and uh, he's trying to bring him back from the brink. So like he's Pete's like trying to tell him like you know, we're friends. I know more about you than you know about yourself right now. And he says I saved your life, and you were in an avalanche, which I feel is kind of one. I, f- I would have chosen a different thing to remember because. Yes, Pete did save his life, sort of, but MacGyver saved his life at the end of that episode, so if you're yeah. like, are you still holding that over his head? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's MacGyver! <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, MacGyver remembers the Pete rescuing him from the avalanche, but I love that there's a scene earlier, I didn't bring it up, um, when uh, he first takes a look at Pete uh, on the picture, there's an insert of Pete as one of the attackers shooting his gun. Like he inserts Pete into this memory and I couldn't huh. tell if it was from an episode. Or... I don't even remember that. Yeah. He, or MacGyver has this flash of memory of Pete turning around in this black brown leather, leather jacket and shooting his gun a couple of times. Huh? And I couldn't tell if it was, cause I, I for a life of me, I can't remember Pete firing a gun. Maybe in partners, but he had that ridiculous toupee. Yeah, this was not a toupee. So I think it was supposed to be MacGyver inserting Pete into his own memory. Maybe. Um, it was kind of a weird thing that happened. but uh, So MacGyver now comes to his senses and remembers Pete. But he also remembers that there's a bomb and he doesn't know where it is yet. But it must be at the funeral. Right. Uh, so they have everybody kind of clear, clear out. Right. Well, they look around and he keeps having like the, the lines of Tony in his head, you know, it could be molded like plastic or woven like cloth and right. woven like cloth, woven like cloth. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of like the Leo Lafarte scene in last action hero. Like they've got, there's mm-hmm. a bomb at a funeral and we have to figure out where it is. Yeah. But this time it's not in the fat dead body. Yeah. This time it's a jacket that's draped over a chair right next to the coffin. 
I would think that once they cleared the funeral, like that they really need to like they they they're safe. Let the bomb go off. Yeah. Um, but I guess like you know, there's a body there and everything. But. Yeah, there's going to be just bodies strewn all over the place. <laughs> but they were there before. Yeah. But he takes the jacket when he realizes what's going on. Mm-hmm. He throws it in a trash can that's for some like reason there. Yeah, it's like a. I think it's like a flower pot that he dumped out. Maybe yeah. And so he throws the the jacket into that, and then he runs out into the street as the van is like peeling out to leave. Yeah. And he hucks it under the front of the van when it explodes. Yeah, and it it really didn't seem to be that big of an explosion. Yeah, it didn't do very much to this van, and it was wrapped in metal that should have been acting as shrapnel if you were putting yeah. an explosive in the middle of it. Like, if it had been out in the open air wrapped around this chair, it probably wouldn't have even blown up all the chairs. Yeah, it, it would have hurt the people who were standing right next to it, but it wouldn't have killed it. Like, it didn't... It, I don't think... That wasn't a killing bomb. Yeah, but it did enough damage to the van that the van just, starts smoking inside, and then MacGyver just locks the door so they can't even <laughs> yeah. get out of it. He locks them in this burning, on-fire vehicle. Yeah. It's like With any minute now... all this dangerous smoke pouring out of it. Yeah. And this, this is, and this is made of, like, 80s material, so you know a lot of that stuff is, like, toxic plastics. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so he locks them in, uh, and uh, which probably wouldn't have mattered because I'm sure the battery was dead at this point, so they wouldn't have been able to operate the door buzzer. Yeah, that's true. If they, if they burned out the wiring on that, then they wouldn't yeah. be able to get out anyway. Um, and uh, that's, that's the end of the general part of the episode, and then we, that's when we go into Act 5. Right. And we're back at the docks, and mm-hmm. uh, Varney's basically explaining that she's decided she is going to go back to school. Yeah. She's learned a lesson from his adventures that she needs to she needs to follow her dreams and not be afraid of them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he he MacGyver points out a little bit that occasionally on on these jobs he gets a, a bonus that he's allowed to like dole out. Yeah. And the two examples he gives are, um, at at one point, he was rewarded with the like a hockey scrimmage against his favorite team, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming is the when he plays against the Squires at the beginning of the Eraser. eraser yeah. And then uh, the other one that he mentions is a scholarship for a little girl, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, how he's referring to uh, Lisa or from Nightmares. Yeah, from yeah. Nightmares, Tammy Lauren's character, friend of the show, Tammy Lauren. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say little girl. I mean, yeah. she she was an emancipated adult, I think, mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and you also don't give scholarships to like little girls. Like, <laughs> seems here like. you go, little girl. <laughs> um, but uh, so one of the, in this situation, the the bonus that he asked for was a gold plated wheeled bike. Yeah. For Jason. So that this kid can uh, grow up to be a rapper. Um, and that that's that's it. Oh, and then and then Jason does an extremely helmetless, dangerous trick on his bike. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I'm pretty sure helmet laws were in place in California even at the time. Yeah. But this kid's like standing up on his on the seat of the bike, mm-hmm. riding it down the down the dock. <laughs> Just got to the the bike going off into the water. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's the episode. That's the entire episode ending. Yeah. It's all over now. No DOAs. There's no dead of on. There's no dead on arrival. Yeah. I guess I guess except for Tony, but. MacGyver wasn't was dead, dead on, on arrival. arrival. Well, the other corpse too, the, whoever was getting buried at the funeral. That's true. So those two people <laughs> were dead on DOA. arrival to the funeral. Yeah, <laughs> that's not that's not the. That's you not should how be it... DOA at a funeral. <laughs> it's true, I suppose. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that's basically it for this episode. I I I like this episode. 
Like, yeah. As far as an amnesia episode, which can generally get pretty lame. Which I think we'll see happen again, right? Yeah. Because Nightmares was kind of an amnesiatic episode. Yeah, that's true. He, he There was stuff he couldn't remember there. But um, but what I, uh, what I liked about this one was, and I know I kept saying it was jumping all over, that that was more of a problem for my notes. Um, but there's so much going on. Yeah. Because we have a whole group of assassins who are after him. And I really do like the idea of Lancer having Jules... Like, as a fall guy, mm-hmm. and to build trust with MacGyver by killing him. Yeah. Because it's like, that would be a pretty legitimate argument that this guy's a good guy. Because someone who I know was going to kill me earlier yeah. just got killed by you. Yeah, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right. And, uh, yeah, and like, you know, again, like, I, I really like Nana Visitor. I'm glad she came back. Yeah. And it, it, I think it's, an, it's a good episode. I, it, I, it was high, high ranked, in my opinion. Yeah. It's one of the better ones this season. Which I feel like I haven't enjoyed the season as much as the first season. No? I think so far, I mean, and there's not much left. Obviously, we only have one more one episode more this episode, season. Yeah. Um, that the, the first season had a, a better track record for me. Mm-hmm. But there's still been some great stuff this season. And I yeah, think this absolutely. is definitely one of the better ones. I think that's about it for this one. Um, if you have any thoughts you'd like to share on this episode, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. Or you can find us on our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 2, Episode 22, the season finale, mm-hmm. which is called For Love or Money, I For believe. For Love or Money, yeah. Um, which makes me think of the reality show now, which is sad. Because that show was only on for like two seasons anyway. It makes me think of uh, Forlom, the Star Wars character. Forlom or Money. Which one do you want? <laughs> for for uh, quick quick thing, sorry, I'm gonna tell us. Um, when uh, Kenner got the uh, the toys for Star Wars, like there was characters that didn't have names, right? And, and one of them was one of the bounty hunters, I believe, and uh, so they just called him Forlom, just which was uh, an acronym for for love of money. Yeah. And uh, Lucas apparently was very upset about that. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Uh, that reminds me of uh, Figwit from the. From the Lord of the Rings series, do you know who Figwit is? <laughs> and I, I don't know how much of this is a rumor or completely unsubstantiated, but um, Figwit is a character played by uh, Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concords, and uh, he uh, he appears for like one second in the movie. But the the rumor goes that someone was watching the show and saw him all of a sudden and said, "Frodo is good. Who is that?" And so the acronym of Frodo is good. Who is that? Is Figwit. And so the character became named Figwit. <laughs> and so, like, literally, like, there's toys of that character that are labeled wow. Figwit. But um, I don't know how much of that is true at all. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that tangent, folks. <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thanks.